and welcome back to the Novel Universe with your host, Dawn. It is just me today because I'm doing my monthly wrap-up, and I do that by myself. I'm going to be wrapping up 13 books. Actually, no, 12. I read 13 books, but I'm only going to talk about 12 because the 13th book Ashley and I are going to be doing in our normal podcast, and that book is The Other Side of the Sky by Amy Kaufman and Megan Spooner. Um, I would like to pat myself on the back a little bit because I read 13 books this month, as I just said, like twice. And that is a personal record for me to read 13 books in a month. My previous record was 12 books back in 2016. I'm very proud of that. Now, I listened to 10 of those books, but that's not the point. That counts. And just a little um, disclaimer, if you want to listen to more audiobooks, check out your local library. They probably have an app where you just download the book from your app and listen from the app, which you can put on your phone or your computer. Okay, that's my message as a librarian. I've done my job. Let's get started because I'm actually going to break this podcast up into two podcasts. I'm going to do six in part one and six in part two, because if I try to do 13 books in one podcast, I will lose my voice. And this podcast will be long as hell. And no one wants either one of those, particularly me. All right, let's get started because we got a lot to talk about. The first book I read was Ray Bear by Jordan Ifueco, and I gave this book a 3.5. Okay, I hate doing summaries because I just hate doing them. Sometimes I forget. If you are not new to the pod, you know this. So I'm going to give myself, myself 30 seconds to do each summary, and here we go. So this is a world where the emperor is immortal and the only thing that can kill him are his trusted advisors whom he's had since he was 10 years old. And the crown prince is now in training to be the emperor and Teresai, our main character, has joined his kitty council and her mom at the age of 10 has told her that it is her duty to kill the crown prince. However, of course, she doesn't because they become friends. Awesome. I did it. I did it. One second to spare. Okay. I was really liking this book until about 60% in. I was probably going to give it a four until like there was something that major happened that happened about 50, 60% into the book. And that's where this book developed the, what I like to call doing too much itis. And basically what that means is that the author, typically it is a fantasy author where they just get really excited and they want to put so much stuff in their book and they just cram in a whole bunch of shit. And then you don't know what to focus on because they put so much stuff in their book. Nothing gets enough attention. Nothing gets really developed because there's so much other things to develop. And so this is what, in my opinion, happened in this book. Side note, just a, just a side note here, quick side note. This is the third book I've read in three months where the main character is tasked with killing somebody important in the story only to fall in love with them. I am so sick of that. Third book. The first one was The Song of Rates and Ruin. The first book, this, the next book was this one, Ray Bear. And the other book I'm going to talk about in part two of this podcast is Crier's War. And I, I tell you, if you guys know of a book where the main character actually kills a person they are assigned to kill, I want to read that book. I don't even care anymore. I don't want them to fall in love anymore. I'm so over that trope. Rant over. Let's get back. Let's get back to the story. I was actually, like I said, 
60% of the book, I was lacking the mom. I thought she was a pretty good villain. I was lacking Teresai, our main character. I liked her love interest. I liked the diversity of the book. I liked that uh, Ifueko was kind of writing against trope a little bit. But then the 60%, I don't know. I don't know the percentage. Just like 50, 60% into the book, something happened. And that's when more stuff actually all of this stuff was in the beginning of the book I don't even know why I broke it up into the 50% I don't know all this stuff was in the beginning of the book anyway but it just kind of seemed like it was kind of going with the flow and in the second part of the book it was just heavy with stuff and not with development and so I kind of counted all the stuff that was crammed in this book and I counted eight so first of all, there's a murder plot, which is what I already talked about. Second was the Ray Bearer thing, which I almost forgot because even now I'm like, what's a Ray Bearer? I think I think I know. I'm lying. I know. But even the title of the book seemed to be an afterthought of all the other stuff that was happening, which included number three, her mom and her mom's jam, the Songland people and their pissiness, Melly, Melu, whatever his name was and his pissiness the underworld and that pissiness, the emperor, and then his advisors, number eight, his advisors and their shady boots. It was like, that's eight things. And I'm not even counting Teresai and all her relationships with the emperor or the prince and her friends and the other, like, it was just a lot. It was a lot. It weighed down the book. And I actually liked the underworld part of the book. But because of all this other stuff, it was like the underworld, just like the title, was kind of an afterthought unless it was info dumped or it was convenient. Like it needed to be brought up because it was time to talk about it. So we're going to bring it up right now. Never felt like it was really weaved into the story. Uh, So that was my major problem with the book. The second thing I had a problem with was that I pretty much predicted everything. And that shouldn't happen. I shouldn't be able to predict every single thing. And not only did I predict it, I predicted it early, like by 20%. I had pretty much predicted the entire book. That is not okay. No, I know I said she wrote against trope, but I was saying was that what I meant is that her character development was against trope, but her plot was full of tropes. So... Yeah, those were my two main issues of this book. I did like um, plenty of stuff, actually. What I did like was um, I thought the mother had potential as a villain. I felt like she could have been a bigger villain, uh, but whatever. Uh, The pacing was pretty good, especially the first 60%. Once again, first 60%. Um, I felt like Ifueko did a lot of stuff differently as far as character. Even a little bit of the plot. It was everything that fell apart was after the 60% mark. Everything that everything after that was just I, I didn't like it. I thought the folklore was pretty good. There was one story about the phoenix and the earth and the sea that I thought was pretty good. I think it may have been a little bit too on the nose, but... I like the way it was told in the story. I thought that was pretty fascinating. Once again, I really like the underworld, but it just was kind of an afterthought. Uh, I also thought that this book had a lot of themes in it. And 
themes is what turns a fluffy book to a critical book. And so this book becomes critical because it talks about feminism and and revenge, jealousy and friendship. And there were more themes going on in this book. But a book that has, like I said, several themes makes it a critical book, which means you can actually have a pretty good discussion if you choose it for a book club selection. Um, I also thought that the diversity in this book was pretty good, even though it's a African, uh, I don't know if it's West African or I just know that it's in an African type of setting, but some of the characters seem to be Indian or I think the proper term is South Asian, I believe. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, there were some European um, characters uh, so yeah, it was, it was pretty diverse. The book was pretty diverse, which was pretty good. I do recommend it. I do you think, I think you should read it. It was good. It just could have been better. Also shorter. All right. The next book I actually DNF'd was Legendborn by Tracy Dion. And I DNF'd this at about 8%. And, uh, quick summary. It's about Brie, I'm not even going to set my timer because I'm going to do this really quickly. It's about Brie. Her mother has passed and her father is grieving really badly and she doesn't want to be in the house with her father. So she continues the way her life was supposed to go, which was to go to Chapel Hill, I believe, to kind of do this like high school, college campus thing. And then I'm guessing because I only read 8%. I don't really know. I don't read summaries, so I don't really know what the book is about. But I'm guessing she is like destined to be magical or something I don't know anyway I DNF this because this book immediately immediately had my biggest not my biggest deal breaker but it's in the top two which is eavesdropping to advance the plot and it basically means what it says when a character or an author an author doesn't know how to get their plot moving along so they have the character either overhear a conversation or a phone call or something instead of having them read it in a book or have them have a conversation or whatever. And this book did it like not only did it do it early on in the book, which was the entire plot of the book, but it was also a whole chapter of her eavesdropping. And at that point, I was just like... Yeah, I can't read this. And also the magic felt really middle grady. Uh, it just was just it was just. It just wasn't like an advanced sort of world as far as magic. It seemed like I said, it seemed rather middle grade. So I could not read this book and I DNF'd it 8%. But feel free. Just because I don't like a book doesn't mean you shouldn't read it. These are just my opinions. And if you are excited about a book and I just poo pooed all over it, then read it. You know, I, I, it's just my opinion. You might love it. It might be your favorite book of all time. The next book I read was Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. I gave this book a three. A lot of people think a three is pretty good. I personally don't, but I might drop this book to a two and a half because I didn't really like it enough to be a three. But anyway, let's say anywhere between a two and a half and a three. This book is not YA. I do not know why I thought it was, but it's not. I was really excited for this book, too, because I don't know if it's because I just like the cover and I'm not a cover whore. Like, I don't pick books by the cover. I pick books by 
the genre and the author and the publisher sometimes. Um, but I really like this cover. I am a sucker for a girl in a dark red lip coat lipstick. I, I don't know why, but I seem to kind of be drawn to that. Um, Fable by Adrian Young, which Ashley and I also reviewed already. It's coming out in September and I will link that in the show notes. Uh, that girl on the cover also had like a really dark red lip. And I like that color so bad. This was a while ago, but it took me weeks to try to find that perfect color because I could not find it. It's a very dark berry, almost black, but not black. And I found it. And if you're curious, um, the color is a MAC color. And you can get MAC at Ulta. And the color is called, dang it, I just had it on my phone and it just went away. Um, it is a liquid lipstick. And the color is, oh my god, I freaking hate this MAC website. Okay. So the color is called Make Love to the Camera. It's a weird color, but it's um, it looks like a bullet. It's their bullet line and it is a liquid lip. It I know I'm sorry, this is kind of turning into a makeup podcast, but it's not. I promise it's a liquid lip and it dries kind of velvet. It dries matte, but it dries like velvety. So you can't even tell that you're wearing lipstick. It is really light. And I have like two different colors of this lipstick because it's such a great formula. It is expensive. It's like $25, but it's beautiful. But anyway, anyway, I think I picked up this book because I like the girl in the her lipstick color, but let's move on. All right. So, all right. This book is, uh, let me set my timer because I'm going to do my 30 seconds or less. And here we go. This is about Noemi. This is set in the 50s. And she is the daughter of a wealthy businessman who lives in Texas. And one day his niece who lives in Mexico sends them a very weird letter where she seems kind of erratic. And he tells his daughter that if you want to go to grad school, you're going to go to visit your cousin and you're going to find out if she's okay. And if she is, then you can come back home. And I did it. Seven seconds to spare. All right. So this book is set in the 50s and this is what's good about it. It's it's kind of dark and gothic. Hence the title is gothic, got gothic in the title and it does have that tone to it. It's very moody and very just like atmospheric in tone. But that's really it as far as what I liked about it. Uh, and the lip color on the girl on the cover of the book. <laughs> All right, so here's the problem with this book. My two major problems. One was the main character. I did not like the main character. That's a huge red flag. So my problem with Noemi is when the book starts off, she's talking about how she is... Uh, she's very smart and her father just wants her to be married and to have babies and all that. But, you know, it's the 50s and that's kind of what they did. But she doesn't want to do that. She wants to go to college and she's actually been to college. And this is when I realized it wasn't YA because she was like 22. And she's trying to go to grad school and she wants to study. Pay attention to this, everybody. Anthropology, which is the study of people and their behavior and the history of people, past and present. Okay. Her father is like I said in the summary, her father's like, um, if you want to get me to pay for your grad school, you're gonna go go to your cousin. And she's like, 
okay, I'm going to do that. Also, what she says is that she knows men. She's very attractive and men like her because she is attractive and she has money. Her father has money. That's attractive to men. And so she says on numerous occasions that she knows men really well and she knows how to handle herself and she knows how to get what she needs from men because she knows how to use her looks to get what she needs. Okay, let's keep that in mind. All right. So she goes to her, see her cousin in Mexico and her cousin is married a white man and the father is afraid that the, um, her husband is uh, poor now they used to be wealthy but they've lost all their money and he's afraid that he only married her cousin for the money because they got married really quickly that is you know a valid point to be concerned over so noemi goes to this house it's high up on a hill it's i don't even think they have electricity it's very dark it's very creepy and my problem with this book, like I said, is Noemi because there are several times where different people have told this girl in a span of an hour that something is really not okay with that house. People are dying in that house. Um, they the, the family used to be wealthy and they used to have run a mine and the miners got really ill. And also her cousin is kind of suffering the same thing that those miners suffered from noemi takes in all this information hightails her ass back up the hill to that house and it's just smoking her ciggies and hanging out outside by the gravesite she's not investigating if someone has told me that my cousin who i'm there to investigate and find out what the problem is that my cousin is suffering from the disease that these minors have died from i'm going to be curious and i'm going to ask questions she barely even sees her cousin like once a week she goes and talks to her cousin and then she's in there for 20 minutes and then the lady of the house is like okay bye i gotta sedate her now what not only that, but she's supposed to be smart and the author goes to great lengths to tell us that this house has a beautiful library and you would think that someone who studies anthropology, the study of people, would want to do some research and go into this big beautiful library and do some research on the history of this house, the history of the town, what happened to these miners, the sickness that befell them. No, she's just chilling. She's chilling. Not really doing much. That was a problem. Um, another thing that I was saying that she is like, no, she knows men. She 30% in the book, she goes to town because there's a doctor who comes and sees her cousin regularly and she doesn't trust him. She wants a second opinion. Awesome. She goes to town. She meets the town doctor and he's like, sorry, girlfriend, I can't help you. That family doesn't want outsiders there. I don't want to be bothered. And she, she, in her mind, because she's telling the reader in her mind, I'm going to pretend to cry because that makes men really uncomfortable and then they do whatever I want. And so she does it and she just goes into hysterics and he's like, oh, don't cry. Don't cry. I'll help you. But she only does that 30% in the book and she doesn't do it anymore. It's like if you set up your main character to be this femme fatale, which she seems to be trying to set her up as, then go for it. Make her one. She's already coming to town with her shiny black hair bob and her beautiful dark red bloody lipstick and her beautiful dresses. And she's wealthy with all of her, you know, her purses and her shoes and everything. And this is a pretty poor town. Like she stands out. If you're going to make her a femme fatale, then make her a femme fatale. Not only one time when she needs 
to get the attention of the doctor. Secondly, the husband of her cousin, he's a total manipulator. We, the reader, can totally see it. But for some reason, she falls for his bullshit. You're supposed to, like, know men really well, but you fall for their manipulations? (laughs) And then, this is totally separate from the Noemi thing. So those are the things I had a problem with as far as Noemi. Here's the other problem with the book. So she gets to the house the very first night. She's having dinner with uh, the her cousin's husband's nephew. Yeah, it's his nephew and his mom. So it's the mom and the cousin's husband are brother and sister. And they're all having dinner. And then the grandfather comes and he's old and gross. And he comes and sits down to have dinner and he's talking to Noemi. And, you know, they're having dinner conversation. He's asking her where she's from, what she does, you know, pleasant dinner conversation. Then all of a sudden, with like zero transition, he busts out. Hey, did you know that there's been some studies that Mexicans are superior with their physicality and their babies are strong and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what? Just like. Hey, where you from? And then the next sentence, hey, did you know that Mexicans are superior in body and physicality and their babies are blah, blah, blah. And clearly the author wants us to pay attention to this because why else would she just shove that in there? It just, there was no transition. And I, <laughs> I found that to be A, ridiculous, and B, get out. It's the plot to get out. Uh, which is, you know, that's fine. You can make your book kind of loosely based on something that's already been done that everybody does it that's not a problem but just the way she did it instead of instead of including this historical fiction aspect which it is like what they're talking about actually happened instead of like weaving that nicely into the plot it's just kind of like jarring and like zero transition it's like hey reader pay attention because this is important and then the pacing was stupid because it's like slow, 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 slow. Then bam, 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 bam. And then it was not good. It was not good. The story was not good. It had potential because of the setting and because of the tone and the set. Yeah, the setting, the tone, and the setting, the setting and the tone was good. But just the characters and the plot, it was just really bad. All right. I would say pass if I were you. That one I'm not going to recommend. All right. The next book I read was The Project by Courtney Summers. I gave this a four to five. And this doesn't come out until February 2nd, 2021. I personally do not think this book is YA. It is it is marketed as YA. It seems to be. Courtney Summers wrote Sadie a couple years ago. And most of her books have been YA, if I believe not all of them. So maybe they are saying this is YA but the main character is 19 and 25 so I don't if we're following the rule of YA is a character under 18 then this does not qualify also this book is quite slow and as a teen librarian I would have a difficult time finding a teen to give this book to and that they would like it would keep its interest I've given several books to Sadie and overwhelmingly teens like it but this book Even my smart ass book club girls would kind of be bored with it. Anyway, um, I don't think it's YA. Also, if you are looking for something similar to Sadie, I don't think this is quite it because Sadie has a lot of action on the page and this book is character driven. So there's not a lot 
if any action on the page at all. If you're looking for something incredibly similar to the pacing of Sandy, this is not going to be it. This is quite slower. So before I begin my review, I need to give a disclaimer. I have a bit of a fascination with like serial killers and cults. And this was before the whole serial podcast thing became popular. I have always been fascinated with like Dahmer and Gacy and um, uh, what's the what's the Bundy and the Jonestown murders and all these other like cults and stuff like I've always like found them fascinating and so I did not read once again I don't read summaries so when I found out that this book was about a cult as I was reading it I was like yes I did not do the summary let's do that now I always forget damn it okay oh this one's gonna be hard to get in 30 seconds okay the story is about Low and B and when Lo was 12 years old. She got into a really bad car accident with her with her parents who they died. And B was six years older than her. So when Lo was 12, B was like 18. And B was really sad. She's distraught. Lo was dying. And then a guy comes in and basically, quote unquote, saves B. And he is a cult leader. And I'm not going to get this in time. Damn it. Um, <laughs> so he's a cult leader. And um, it jumps to some time later when Lo has recovered. She is trying to find her sister to reconnect with her, but the cult will not let them back together again. So it's it's a book about grief and loss and sisterhood and feminism and all those things. All right, so now let's get into what I liked or what I didn't like. Let's start with that. There really isn't anything major that I didn't like. My only problem with this book was the cult part, in particular, the cult leader, Lev. As I said, I am fascinated with cults. And so I've watched many documentaries about, you know, David Koresh and Heaven's Gate and Jonestown and like all the above and cult leaders have something really in common and that they look for people particularly young women people who are alone they are runaways they are um, hooked on drugs they are in despair they might be well educated but they have they feel like their life is empty maybe their life is ruled by money or power and they're sick of it and these people look for these cult leaders to give them a purpose and faith and hope in something and they prey upon these people and what this book did not do which I hope I was hoping that it did do was kind of shed a light on how cult leaders sort of prey on the weak and it's not really about that. It's really about Le- uh, Lo and B and their and their sisterhood and loss. Like I said, loss and grief and everything, and hitting rock bottom and looking for something or someone to be that beacon of hope and love and faith for you. But it didn't really for me. It didn't really go into the Lev character. I wanted to see more of a like slow progress progression into like control and madness on Lev's part and I didn't get that and what instead we got was if you remember Sadie Sadie was trucking along and in the last couple chapters it was just like bam 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 and this book is very much like that it's kind of slow 
and then the last chapter, like, all the shit hits the fan. And I kind of don't like that. I mean, it, it, it makes for a thrilling book. And this was thrilling and exciting, but sometimes her pacing at the end of her books can be a little fast for me anyway. I still liked it, but I was hoping for more of the cult part. Uh, but what I did like about this book, and it's going to be really difficult for me to kind of talk about this book because it's all, it's not all spoilers, but a lot of the things about this book, I feel like it would be better for you to discover as the reader and not for me to pick stuff out and tell you before you, because it's, it's, it's exciting when you discover it. It's like, it's a really good discussion book, but it's better for you to discover something. So I'm not really gonna go into too many specifics what I will say is that the execution of this book is fantastic because first of all there's only like four chapters and within the chapters it kind of switches POV between low and B um, but there really is only four chapters and the way that the book is laid out is that it's not told linearly so we have Lowe's pull a POV in like 2017 and 2018 and then we have B's perspective in like between 2012 and 2017 I believe but mostly it's before 2017 so the 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 sisters are never told their story is never told in the same timeline it's always before after so that's one thing that Summers did. Another thing that she did was there were as as their storylines start to meet. So as Lowe starts to get older and we start to see her in 2018 and B starts to develop a little bit more. We see her in 2018. We would get a, a low chapter and then Lowe as in the character Lowe. And something really major would happen. And then when it would, and then when B's chapter comes along, it kind of continues, even though they're not in the same room, they're technically not in the same month, but it, but the story kind of progresses through the sisters in different timelines. It's fascinating how she did it. And it's quite seamless. You kind of forget that the timelines change because it just seems like it's told like a normal story, but it's not. So I, I thought that was done quite well. Um, there are some subtle comparisons. Once again, I'm not going to say because I think that's for you to figure out on your own. I thought the themes were done well. Like I said, it's grief and faith and it was done quite beautifully. Um, that's about all I can say about this book. It, it's, it's incredibly character driven. Um, it is quite sad. Just like many of Courtney Summers other books I've read, this would be my third book by her, but she tends to have some pretty villainous men in her book. She also has good guys, but she really likes to focus on some of the bad dudes. So this book is no exception. Just like Sadie, we had some bad dudes. Uh, there's some bad dudes in this book too, namely Lev. Uh, but it's, it's a really good book. I really did enjoy it. Not too much. I didn't love it as much to give it a four and a half. I wish I could have, but it was just missing. At the end of Sadie, I was sobbing and I wasn't really sobbing at the end of this book. I have to feel something major and I just didn't get that in this book. And so 
Not that that's a bad thing. That's just a me thing. Uh, but I do highly recommend it, especially if you like a very slow character driven plot and you kind of like books about sisters and cults, I guess. <laughs> All right. So the next book I read is Girl Unframed by Deb Coletti. I gave this one a two. This one was really disappointing. Two years ago, I believe it was two years ago, Deb Coletti got a Prince honor. So what that means is in the library world, ALA, the American Library Association, has a young adult division called YALSA. And YALSA awards the best YA books of the year every year. And it is called the Michael L. Prince Award. And Deb Coletti won an honor. And so what that means is that there's a winner, there's one winner, and then there are four honors or quote unquote runner ups. And Deb Coletti, her book was called Heart and Body, won like an honor book. And so that's a, it's a big honor to get an honor. And so as a reader, you're like, okay, this means that she's a pretty good author. She has something interesting to say. She often writes about um, sexual assault and um, stuff like that. And so you're like, okay, what does she got to say about this? And I felt like she didn't have anything good to say. All right, let's see if I can get this review in under 30 seconds. Okay, this is about Sydney. Sydney's mom is a celebrity, but she doesn't live with her mom. She lives with her grandma in Seattle. And one summer, her mom's like, I want you to come and live with me for the summer and my new boyfriend. She does and something bad happens. Hey, look at that. 15 seconds. <laughs> okay, so my problem, I didn't like anything about this book, by the way. I don't even know why I'm giving it a two. I think I'm just giving it a two because she won a Prince Honor. I don't, I don't know why I gave this book a two. I really didn't like anything about it. Um, so there's nothing I can say that I liked. What I did not like, and this was the biggest thing, was the main character is 15 and she just turned 16. So she's rather young. I almost think that she could have been younger because it's okay. So there are a lot of creepy men in this book. There's a lot of toxic masculinity in this book and some like sexual assault, not, not physical sexual assault, but like some sexual deviance in some cases and some, um, uh, cat calling, making her really uncomfortable. Like there's a lot of just bad guys in this book. And our main character often, she's in her head a lot and she's telling a story. So as we're reading, she's, she's talking to someone, she's telling her story and she's talking about how she's in her head all the time. And in her head, there are a lot of thoughts of, is my shirt too tight? Is it okay if I wear a tight shirt? It's that's it's not cool. Why? How come girls are called whole bags if they like sex, but boys aren't? And is my mom's boyfriend looking at me funny or is it all in my head? Like the stuff that she's thinking about, I feel like is something that a 12 year old thinks about and not a 16 year old. Like in this day and age, teen girls are kind of on top of things. Not all of them, but for the most part, they they are. And I'm a teen librarian I'm around teen girls all the time. And they are fully aware that just because a girl likes sex doesn't make her a whore. Yes, girls still call each other sluts and they do still slut shame. But they also know that 
it's a double standard. They are very aware. They're not sitting around pontificating on how come boys are not called hoes. They're not thinking about that. They know that that's not okay. They, they're, they're past that. This is not the 90s. We're past that now. Everything this girl is thinking is that of a girl who's just becoming a woman and not someone who's already and when I say woman I mean like has her period and can have babies like and that was my problem she wasn't just the way she the way she was thinking it was like this girl is 16 and I don't it, it, it just I didn't like it I just felt like she was way too old to be having these thoughts however the stuff that was happening in the book is not something that you would find in a middle grade section of a library or a bookstore. The stuff she was experiencing was something that a 16 year old would experience. But the way she was thinking about it was that of a 12 year old. And not only that, but it was all very surface level thinking. This book is being described as a thriller, but that no point was I thrilled. Did I feel like there was any intensity or tension or any of the above? It was really boring. It was really boring. Um, so I would not recommend this book. I did not read A Heart and a Body, but my friend Elise did and she liked it a lot. So I would say maybe read that one instead. I... I wouldn't read this book if I were you. I'd say I'd pass. Just pass. Just pass on it. Okay, the next book I read was Punching the Air by E.B. Zaboy and Yusef Salam. Salam. This book will be published in September. This book is told in verse. <laughs> okay, so quick summary. I don't, this is a really quick summary. This is about Amal. He is a 17-year-old boy. He's black. And one day he gets into a fight with a white boy, with a bunch of white boys. Him and his black friends get into a fight with a bunch of white guys. And they are being charged with attempted murder because the boy, one of the boys they beat up is in critical condition in the hospital. And while his friends pled not guilty, he pled guilty and he gets convicted. And he is sent to juvenile detention because he is 17 or 16. Okay, um, Yusef was part of the Central Park Five. I don't know if you are familiar with that, but some time ago, five black boys, teen boys, and I think a couple may have been older, 18, over 18, were accused of assaulting a white woman in Central Park. Through DNA, they found out that they were not the perpetrators and they were sent free. Some of them went to prison for five, some went to seven years, some were in five years. And recently... Um, like when all this was happening Donald Trump like took out like full page ads on like these boys should be in prison they should rot in prison and blah 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 and even when they were exonerated through DNA evidence he was still saying that they need to be in prison like this is the type of person this man is so this is um Yusef is one of the boys that this happened to and he calls himself um they call themselves the exonerated five now and not the Central Park five anymore there was only one thing I did not like about this book and it's more of a me thing and not a book thing. And my only problem was that they, this book often made comparisons to the prison system for black men to slavery and slave ships. 
I have read that metaphor and that comparison before, and I don't think Zaboy does anything different with it. So that was really the only thing I did not like about this book. I know it seems kind of small, but there's another thing that I had not necessarily a problem with, but, and I'll get to that at the end of my review. But that was the only thing that I didn't like about it. And she did it enough that it stood out. Uh, but like I said, that's a me problem. It's not a book problem. What I did like about the book was the the pacing and the execution of the story. And um, by that, I mean, oftentimes, and this is happening all the time and right now, a, a man, a black man is shot, let's say, in the back seven times. And immediately people are like, well, what did he do? What did he do to deserve to be shot in the back seven times? What did he say to that officer where he deserved to have his neck stood on, kneed on for eight minutes and 46 seconds? He must have done something. No, he didn't do anything to warrant any of that. And this is what this book is attempting to kind of... It's attempting to show the reader how they think about black men who are arrested and by that I mean, when we meet Amal, he is on trial and we don't know the extent of the story. All we know is that there is a white boy that is in critical condition in the hospital and that he has been charged with attempted murder. I don't know the exact charge, but he's been charged with something that would get him sent to prison for a very long time. And throughout the book, we slowly learn what happens while we slowly get to know Amal and the type of boy he is, his relationship with his mother and his friends and his girlfriends and his life and his dreams and how he was raised. And we also, like I said, how, what happens to him in that um, altercation also is slowly revealed. And the point of that is for the reader to learn if they have any bias. If you are reading them all at the beginning of the book and you're like, well, what did he do to put that boy in the hospital? Well, maybe he didn't do anything. And I'm not going to say because that's for you to learn. But just the way the story is executed, it kind of makes you think about your personal bias and how you feel about if you have a personal bias uh, going in and learning that Amal has an anger problem and possibly has an anger problem. And if that's a contributing factor to this white boy being in the hospital or was it was it racially charged? Like, you know what I mean? So I liked how that was done really well. Um, as I said, this book is written in verse. I am not a poet. I don't know anything about poetry. So I am not someone to say that this book used poetry correctly or incorrectly all I know is that I liked it um I liked how the how certain chapters were written on the page were were intended for me to read it a certain way so when um there were only when there was only one word per line you know it's meant to be read quickly or the way the words are cascading down the page you're meant to read it a certain way if it's written in a box you're, you're meant to read it a certain way like when there are spaces where normally there would be no space it's you know so I like how 
it made me read the story. I thought it was effective. Was it done correctly or incorrectly? I do not know. So I cannot make any comments on that. I also liked Amal's growth and I liked his support system with his mom and his um, friends outside of prison and also the people that he meets inside of well he's in juvenile detention uh so I I liked all of that I think this book is going to be on a lot of award lists this year it's it's a it's a really good book I really do think you should read it I think it's good for all ages including adults I don't think this is like you know one of those where it's a YA book and it's only appealing to teens no, I think it will appeal to teens who are not big readers, to teens who are big readers, to adults who are not big readers, to adults who are big readers. It appeals to all ages, all races. Okay, so I gave this book a four to five. Um, I, I was having a difficult time trying to decide how to rate this book. And sometimes when I have difficulties, I usually pit it against a contemporary and the only book that I have read that's similar to this is Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. And I am starting to lose my voice. <laughs> I've only talked about five books. Uh, Jason Reynolds, Long Way Down, which I gave a five, a four and a half. And I did not like Punching the Air quite as much as Long Way Down because in Long Way Down, Reynolds does not tell you anything he leaves it up to you as the reader to figure out what the smoke means, what the gun means, why certain people are in the elevator with him, what the elevator means. Like everything is left up in the air and it is all for the reader to decide. Whereas punching the air, it's kind of told to us. Everything is kind of told to us. I personally prefer the up in the air or the left left to the interpretation of the reader as opposed to it being kind of told to me that's a personal preference and so because of that I did not rate it as high as other people might but I did really like it I do highly recommend it um it's a very good book it is quite emotional and it's a good discussion book okay the last book I read and I will not be spending a lot of time on is Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. I gave this a one. Uh, Ashley and I did a our first read along with the universe with this book where we broke this book down chapter by chapter. And we talked about it in much more depth over three podcasts. And I did not like this book at all. I did enjoy Twilight. I read the original series back when it was out. I gave them fours. I'm starting to question that now, but uh, I did not enjoy this book. And just, I will give you a quick reason why. Okay. My, okay. So this book, in my opinion, is just poorly written. The entire time I felt like Stephanie Meyer did not grow as a writer. We have her trying to justify Edward's stalker behavior, a couple different strategies. One was to have him acknowledge that he's a stalker, but that doesn't absolve you of it. He constantly is like asking Bella for consent 
okay, yes, you should do that, but you don't need to shove that in my face. You, I, I heard you do it three times. I don't need to hear you do it seven times, which he says verbally, I'm getting her consent. As if to say, wink, wink, hint, hint, reader, I'm asking her for her consent, so it's okay that I watch her sleep. She also tries to justify his behavior through character assassination of Mike, who did not deserve that. And just by making Mike look bad does not automatically make Edward look good. I thought that Edward droned on and on and on a lot. And instead of developing other themes in this book, she spends many pages on Edward talking about his love for Bella, like a lot of it. And there were moments where she could have developed other characters. Some of the Cullens would have been nice. Or she dropped little, little themes and topics that she could have expounded on, but she didn't. So there was a time where Edward was talking about death and God and faith. She didn't talk. She didn't go into that at all. There was a time where he was talking about, which I thought was quite interesting, that he died at 17 and he'd never been in love. So he doesn't know how to be in love. And perhaps that is why he's a stalker. She doesn't talk about that an inappropriate love versus appropriate love. Um, Rosalie, there was plenty of opportunity to get into her and why she's jealous all the time. No, we so she didn't really do anything. She just gave us this really long, drawn out love story that really did not say anything new or special about love and also every woman in this book was either jealous vapid or horny and all they cared about was how hot the Cullens were even their car was getting jacked even if their daughter was in the hospital didn't matter the Cullens are hot that's all they cared about that right there just that just really made me really made me hate this book um the way women were portrayed in this book was just one-dimensional with the exception of Alice everybody else is one-dimensional uh I I understand that people read this book for nostalgia reasons and if you liked it I'm happy that you liked it um I did not so um yeah that's all I have to say about that book I'm not like I said I'll link our 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 podcast in the show notes so you can hear it more in depth if you would like but other than that those are first six books I read this month so this is the end of part one because I'm starting to lose my voice and I need to break this up so I will see you in a couple of days for part two of my August reads catch you the next podcast Mm -hmm.